Welcome everybody back to Velo Sound Interview Sunday here, and we're getting closer to one of those release dates that a lot of people have been waiting for this year. The release is the end of April, and the, the record that I'm talking or hinting at is the new Spotlights album. I'm very, very happy to have Mario from Spotlights here on the show. Mario, thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, the first question that I always ask, what kind of band, merch, shirt, hoodie, whatever are you wearing today? If any uh... at all actually from our friend's coffee company called metric oh. they're uh, they're in Chicago and he's he's awesome his name's javier mm -hmm. and uh, yeah man it's they're just a, a great company he treats all his employees really well and it's he really cares about the product and sources everything himself you know and is it located only in pittsburgh or is it all they're, across they're in chicago okay only that means you have to drive a long way to get a good cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. He's always a good guy and sends us all kinds of delicious coffee, though. So, so Mario, I just hinted at it. You are now living in Pittsburgh. When did you move from the East Coast more in words? I mean, I guess technically Pittsburgh is still East Coast, but uh, we're, we left December of 2018. We okay. left... Uh, yeah. And if we I see it right, you're, you're in your working space, right? Because you got a studio in yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right now, because we we're in the middle of kind of like prepping for tour and I'm still doing work and, and uh, mixing and whatnot. But, but yeah, since we moved here, we built out this little space here, which is where we recorded the new album. And uh, I've been kind of doing all my work out of here lately, production wise. So does having a studio make it more complicated or easier for you? Complicated in the sense, well, I want to twitch it even more and more and more, or is it just you got more time on your hands? It's a little bit of both. It's, uh, I think no matter what, working on my own stuff, that's what you mean, right? When we're working on our own yeah, yeah, yeah. music. Yeah. Yeah. Working on my own stuff, it's always... Uh, it's always much harder for me when it comes to the production side of things. So like, you know, I second guess myself left and right um, mm -hmm. on everything. And so I have to go through a whole full, full circle kind of process where I hate everything. I love everything. I hate everything. And then finally it's finished. Okay. <laughs> but studio is it's, it, I think for us, it's a, it's a more a positive thing because uh, you know, if you're paying for studio time somewhere, being rushed and kind of like worrying about time and money puts a different kind of uh, perspective on everything. And maybe it works for some people. I, I think for us, it would stress us out more and I would just end up having to bring stuff home and work on it anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the, only, the only record we've recorded anywhere other than like our, our little practice spaces or home studio setups has, was Seismic. And, um, we had seven days with Aaron Harris in LA at a studio that was, and it was awesome. It was really fun, but we went in, you know, we made sure we were like, this is going to be the record. We, we didn't really have space to like play around with, with too much, uh, you know, cause we didn't have too much time. And even then I had to come home and still record vocals at home for that record. That, that was the record fun. on which Aaron also did drums, right? 
Yeah, he played drums on like three or four songs, I think, on that record. It, it was awesome. And it was a blast just because he's he's such a good guy. And, you know, it was more like just hanging out with a friend and making an album. Which is a good thing, of course. Is it also something that you try to do when you record somebody's work? Definitely. Yeah, I try and I mean, I try and work with people, period, that I that I feel like I'll get along with, especially if I'm recording them. Mm -hmm. um, these days, I don't record too many bands. I mostly just mix. So I'm not really other than like, you know, over email or text. I barely sometimes we barely I never even hear the person's voice. <clears throat> But when I'm recording, like actually tracking a band, I, I try to now I try to only work with bands that I feel a connection with. Uh, not only musically, but like, yeah, personally and something I believe in, you know. Um, and I feel like when you, even if we're not, you know, at the beginning, it's not like a personal relationship. It's pretty rare that I finish something like that and don't have some sort of like friendship with the people mm. after we're done. That's an interesting thing because one of my initial questions is also uh, personal relationships. What came first, Sarah of a wife or Sarah of a band member? Um, well, Sarah as a friend. Funny enough, I was recording her. The, the way we met is I was recording her old band. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to studio in San Diego and we met. That's where we met. Um, so basically almost like what we, what I was just saying I was recording her old band and we we just hit it off as friends we were friends for a couple of years and always wanted to keep uh maybe making music together we talked about it all the time and eventually when we started dating we 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 decided you know we we went into the studio and wrote the first what what ended up being the first spotlight song mm -hmm. uh at the time that was like in 2009 we didn't really know what we were going to do with it but then You know, years later, when we moved to New York, we finally, uh, we became proper bandmates, I guess, <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm lying. That's not true because uh, we played in a band called Sleep Lady while we were in San Diego, and we were band members then, too, so, while we were together. So when looking at you and when looking at, you know, the other two members of a band, Yeah, it's interesting that all three of you are highly different individuals, which I also think is some kind of the interesting part about it, right? So when I ask you personally, where are you, Robert? Up in the spotlight or more in the background? Um, I don't mind a little bit of the spotlight. You know, I, I guess the only time I really, really love you know, the spotlight is just being on stage. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's where we all can, can agree on that. You know, Chris, Chris is definitely the spotlight all the time is, is his motto <laughs> as much as possible. Uh, Sarah, I think is probably more in the background, but yeah, I think I, I kind of land more in the middle. Yeah. Uh, where I don't mind. I like doing interviews and stuff like that. I like talking to people yeah. and, uh, but yeah, again, I, I don't think any of us, or at least Sarah and I, don't really like shoot for like the the fame part of this whole thing, or like mm -hmm. the kind of like look at me kind of kind of thing, unless we're on stage, you know. Of course, totally different situation. So the new record is out in a few days. I mean, like this will come out uh, middle of April, so a few days before release date. The record will be out again on IPACAC. 
Um, is that something that you now consider Spotlight's permanent, steady home? I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I don't see a reason to to go anywhere else. You know, there we love Greg, we love Mark, the, the guys that that own and work at Ipecac. And I mean, it's just the perfect home. I I, I couldn't imagine a better label, really. The, the, you know, anything anything that you could want as a band, I think they they provide. And um, as long as they'll have us, I I think we'll stay there. You know. Hmm. Um, what also, I probably, I'm pr pretty sure a lot of people will be struck when they listen to the new record, especially the first two free songs, because what struck me is that there is a very interesting emphasis on percussion and its possibilities. Yeah. Um, for example, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, there seems to be a xylophone on Beyond the Broken Sky. Yeah, actually, well, that's that's something we've. Uh, it's almost been like a staple for us. Is that kind of, you know, I usually do it. It's a, it's a synth really, but it's a a xylophone kind of sound. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's been one constant throughout the whole Spotlight's uh, discography is, is those yeah. little those little bells. And then there seemed to be some program beats, for example, um, on the Alchemist. So it seems yep. as if you are playing with the possibilities of percussion once again. Is that something that you strive for, not repeating structures over and over again? I mean, definitely. On this album in particular, 100%. That was the goal from the beginning for this record was to kind of change things up. And um, and to your point, actually, that none of that is 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 programmed drums. Those are all real drums. Uh, being played, we uh, we took a lot of time and and purposefully pushed ourselves to like change drum sounds from song to song, even mm -hmm. from part to part, <clears throat> and really like tweak things uh, to the point where like Chris, for the most part, for the most of the album, Chris was only we separated drums and cymbals, um, so Chris had to overdub all the cymbals for most of the songs, mm -hmm. which is it's a to do, but he he killed it. And that gave us a lot of room to play around with, uh, you know, using effect pedals and things like that with with the drums that to get interesting sounds that don't sound like regular drums, you know. Exactly. And it also, it struck me uh, when um, I listened to The Alchemist first, of course, and then later on comes Sunset Burial. And at first you have the feeling as if on Sunset Burial, it's again a feeling of programmed drums. Now you explain it, it, it's not. But when you listen to Sunset Burial a little bit more, you recognize, no, those are real drums. And that's also what struck me, so that you seem to play with not only the effects, but also with the way that we as listeners perceive the album. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you, you're saying that because that's that was kind of the goal is to, you know... I, I didn't. We didn't want to just have like an album of songs that all kind of sound the same, um, and so yeah, that was that was the effort we were going for was to really not only change, not only strive for something different musically overall as a whole, but like you know dynamically within the songs and within the record to just because you know I think we write and we we try to make music that would that keeps us interested. 
as players and as as fans you know so we try to make the music that we would want to hear as as fans and for us that that's how things stay interesting you know mm-hmm. um and sometimes it also seems as if you are trying to change a lot of a sound through distortion and effects into something even bigger i um one of the reference songs for that for me would be algorithmic um where it sounds as if you are doing the good old jack white thing i use i throw my guitar for so many pedals but it sounds like a bass um so on algorithmic yeah. is is that is that really the way that you used a lot of pedals for that particular sound to sound it like a bass guitar yes and no are you talking about like what at the very beginning when it comes in uh more about the very heavy part in the middle so most of that and i think that's something people don't realize about our band is most of that stuff is bass it's it's sarah yeah um you know, she's the one with the i think she's got probably like 23 distortion pedals on her pedals awesome the time to dial in specific tones for for parts of songs uh so for the alchemist in particular that um can't remember what what pedal it is but it's something maybe the hizumata it's like an earthquaker mm-hmm. so yeah she's she's really the one that that pushes that the most i i mean guitar wise i actually stay pretty conservative with the distortion this on this record i probably did the most where I used um a lot more fuzz pedals instead of just my usual mm-hmm. distortion like it's usually like an OCD clone that I use on the Helix. Uh but I used a lot of fuzzes like the the Hilbish designs um uh what's it called? Soul Invictus. I used a lot for a lot of the heavier parts. Uh but yeah, we it, we don't actually you know go th- like start putting a million different pedals together it's usually pretty simple when when we break down the actual signal chain it's usually just bass one or maybe two pedals you know working together um but just sometimes you have to just crank shit and eq things to get them to get them to do what you want <laughs> and a yes, lot of it especially that... the way that she plays she's she's got kind of a really like subtle touch dynamically you know sometimes she'll be slamming on the strings but to get those pedals to react sometimes you really got to just barely touch them and let mm-hmm. them do their th- if you hit too hard it kind of chokes the distortion out and kind of over compresses the sound it's very interesting because one of my first impressions when i listened to it it was like you know there are some bass players out there who treat their bass as if they're playing a six string guitar for example reto from some of our and so many other bands where he really uses the bass like a guitar and that would that's a feeling that i had when i was listening to to the new album um so it's very interesting that you clue this up um what also struck me when i looked at the lyrics and when i looked especially at the song titles was that a lot of the songs seem to have a connection to light in a way you know you 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 talk about sunset about light in general about the sky about alchemy which tried to create gold um so there seems to be a lot of that and i mean of course also the records title 
is working with that word alchemy, which is very interesting because alchemy a few hundred years ago was a kind of a science. So is that also what you were trying to combine here? Two very contrary things, science and something Um, as ethereal as light? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Not so much on the scientific side of what alchemy is, but I feel like alchemy also had kind of this mysterious and somewhat spiritual like aspect to the whole scientific side of it you know yeah definitely. Um, for the idea for the for the record and even the title of the record is kind of how that ties in with death and how people deal with death and just overall uh you know like the things that that people do to kind of connect with death and the other side uh, so like the alchemy sort of quote unquote being, you know, things like seances and things like that, that people do all these like experiments to try and kind of reach the other side. Um, and a lot of that is mixed in throughout. Yeah. So light, you know, there's a, there, I feel, feel like I always like to play with kind of the light and dark side of things to you know, have that push and pull which of course also works very very nicely with the kind of music that you are writing and performing and sometimes also with the experiments that you have i mean like you have a saxophone on this record who came up with that idea uh, i think that was my idea that it's really funny because that was one of the first thoughts that i had when we uh when we were first just coming up with songs you can come in sarah just showed up Hey. <laughs> so finally Sorry. we got finally we see the the nice part of spotlights yeah <laughs> so you were talking Maybe. about the saxophone on false gods yeah so that was a an idea i think like maybe halfway through covid i was just writing a bunch of different stuff and coming up with different ideas and we didn't really have an idea of how things were going to sound but i did for some reason just want horns and i wanted a saxophone to play some part in it um and when we wrote the song false gods it just it made perfect sense to to fit in that in that song sarah it's good that you joined because we've just been talking about your performance on the record which i really like because the bass sound is very striking and strong and at the same time also a bit hollow as if we are being wrapped in sound and fragile so how difficult was it for you to create that special kind of sound for the new record um it was actually pretty easy once we got to the recording process um i had listened to the demos so much that um by the time we recorded i had a pretty good idea of what i wanted most things to sound like mm-hmm. uh, and then you know once we get into the process of recording you know mario is also there to really help me dial in the like sounds and textures i'm looking for and you know he really plays a big part in me being able to get those across you know with his mixing and uh engineering it's usually pretty quick though kind of like i was saying yeah. we, we try and keep it simple i think like me and her you know 
I'll have the initial kind of idea of like, okay, this should be kind of giant and fuzzy or whatever. And she'll just start playing with her pedals, pick what, what kind of sounds good. And then we just tweak a little bit and, and go, yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't really so, like to like fuss around in different options. Yeah. So Sarah, how hard of a boss is he? <laughs> um, he's actually really easy. Uh, I think, you know, being at home and not having the time and money constraint of being in a studio mm. uh, makes it, you know, a lot less stressful, even though, you know, you're trying to get something creative done. But um, that's a bit, I think that plays a big role in probably a lot of people recording, um, having those constraints. But uh, Mario is awesome to work with. He, you know, he's an amazing songwriter and engineer and you know, I think when we work doing spotlights, we, you know, we really get along musically mm. first and foremost, you know, that's how we met. So mm. um, it's a good partnership and collaboration for us. And she's technically the boss. No. Not <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll leave everybody to interpret that however everybody wants. The three of you, including our, Chris. Uh, yeah. Our HR so if anybody messes around with us, she's the one that kicks people out. Yep. Uh, you know, she makes all the decisions. <laughs> so, so you say you're a Chargers fan. How do you feel about Herbert, then? Chargers fan? Uh, that's what I understood. I mean, you were broken off for a moment. That's why I, I asked. I was saying she's uh, she's the boss. She, she, she's the, she runs our uh, HR department. Ah, that's what that was. Uh, because I was thinking Levin lived in San Diego. And like, but the three of you come from a very, very different background. For example, Chris coming from a very strong hardcore and punk background. Um, does that does this mix of characters, of backgrounds, also make the band more interesting for you? I think so. For me, definitely. I mean, you know, Sarah and I have a lot of different musical influences and we grew up on a bunch of different things but we all three of us grew up on a lot of the same stuff too so there's a lot of crossover you know for for the things that we do like um and then the differences all are are always great just because it kind of keeps us kind of just experimenting with different sounds and different things that we like so i think it's a good thing yeah yeah what is also very interesting, and we've already spoken about the combination of light and dark, of heavy and mellow. What is interesting is, of course, you are being placed in a genre that is so hard to get. You know, a lot of people label you as doom gaze. Um, and I know that everybody who plays that kind of music hates the label because it's something that listeners have to put onto a record, you know, in order to get it into a box, whereas for U.S. musicians, it's usually a kind of a process. But uh, can you see why people label you Doomgaze? And if you can see that, do you agree with it? Um, I mean, I I can definitely see why, you know. And again, I think like you said, I think people just need it makes it easier to to kind of just put categories on things because then number one it's easy to find music that way so if you're into kind of a genre then you just search out bands that sound like whatever 
um we don't really get too caught up in like the whole genre thing you know whatever people want to call us we we get called shoegaze all the time too and that doesn't make any sense to me either but whatever works you know and if it brings us new fans then then cool um you know i don't we just consider ourselves a heavy rock band that's we don't really try to we've never gone into any record or any song being like we want this to be a doom gaze song or we want this to be a you know whatever genre song um so because you're you're hearing all of our influences you know all three of us so we never have a preconceived like i don't know genre sound in mind we just you know flow with what's coming out and you know it a lot of them don't make sense to me either but i also don't really know what to call us other than heavy rock um but you know the labels are fine if it helps you know with media and press and you know had you know nowadays we have hashtags which we didn't grow up with but <laughs> you know whatever helps you know listeners identify and find us like it's mm. it's great yeah. yeah uh so you've just spoken about influences could each of you name a few of the people that influenced you maybe not directly but where you say like okay that was an influence for me to grab an instrument and play Um, my, my main influence is, uh, King Buzzo from the Melvins, um, and just the Melvins in general. Uh, they really opened up my eyes at a really young age that you don't have to be only metal or only punk or only hardcore. They, they blended all those and it really just blew my mind. I was like 14, you know, when I discovered them and they made me want to have an instrument in my hand and do it also. Shout out on this occasion to our friend Dale, who gave us that wonderful interview a few months ago. Um, Mario, what would be your influence then? Um, For me, I'd say my biggest influence ever since I was a kid has been The Cure. So Robert Smith from The Cure. Uh, Guitar playing is, you know, and again, similarly, like somebody who never really was able to be pinned down in any way, you know, like you have some of the biggest pop songs ever and then some of the darkest, weirdest structure wise songs that you've ever heard, you know, mm-hmm. and and always experimenting with different sounds and different uh, just I love you can't just pin it down. So I've, and you know, it's just always been a a huge influence on me. So have any of those very, very, sorry, Sarah, you go ahead. It's okay. It's, it's, I always say without actually realizing it, that, you know, when people ask us what we sound like, I always say that uh, we're the, the cure if they were a metal band. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or the Melvins, if they were, a new wave band. But, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yep. did any of the other very early doom gaze affiliated bands like like Nadia, Angelic Process, Jesu, uh, did any of those have like an influence on you? Did you listen to that stuff? I mean, I think out of out of any of those bands, the only ones Jesu was was probably, you know, 
superficially influential i think we used to listen to Je jesu quite a bit yeah um yeah. and again i never really thought we were like similar to that but mm -hmm. i but i i can see why it would be you mm -hmm. know similar um but yeah like i don't i don't know too many i mean honestly i just don't listen to too too much music i'm not i think neither of us really are like the type that search out new bands mm -hmm. or, or or follow uh you know what's going on too much it's probably not a good thing or or maybe it's it is i don't know but um but yeah again so i'm like stuck in the 80s and 90s still listening to the same <laughs> bands that i grew up on but you do like know that the cure released a few albums after women yeah, yeah and i've actually been I, lately i've been kind of pushing myself to get into those records even though i gave them a chance back in the day and i do like a lot of songs off you know like the the cure the self-titled album yeah. and so uh, after wild mood swings it kind of starts to get a little which is fine and i think if you can have a fan that lasts i don't know what is that eight records or so nine records <laughs> then you've done a pretty good job as a band definitely yeah. what is also interesting that you have toured with a lot of very very different bands i mean like very are bands like refused quicksand pelbera uh mr bungle even and the deftones vast vastly different bands which of those combinations came most surprising for you with which of those were you surprised that you were asked to go on to um i mean i think we're surprised anytime any of those bands yeah. ask us to go on tour uh but for me one of the one of the most surprising matchups was probably igor the band igor oh yeah of course they're they're incredible and like yeah to you know after after playing with them and after touring with them it does make sense like i think we really hit it off and and the fans were it worked you know it was like i i didn't know if like their fans would really like us and vice versa but everybody, the shows were great, and it just was a really yeah. good matchup. Yeah. Um, but something we didn't think right off the bat, you know, if if you were like, put these two bands, and we're like, does it should this go together? It probably doesn't work on paper, but it works in in practice. I'm thinking if there is any band which I would say that makes a perfect match for Igor. I'm mean, like, I'm gonna see them in a few days uh, when they're gonna play close to my hometown and we're playing with Amen Ra and two other bands and the three other bands including Amen Ra they seem to form some kind of unit and then you got Igor on top and I'm like I'm, st I'm still wondering how that'll work out yeah, um, yeah. well I think in you know to your point like that, that's kind of what we were saying even when it comes to the genre thing like we've never we've never tried to be any specific mm, thing yeah. and I really listen to our music to the whole discography you'll see there's a lot of like there's a lot of difference throughout so mm -hmm. it works for us to just play with a bunch of different people and i don't think mm -hmm. you know when it's just it's never been a thing of like oh well they're too that band's too heavy for us or that band's mm -hmm. not heavy enough or mm -hmm. you know, they play some weird music so we shouldn't do that it's just I, we want to play with everybody and mm -hmm. As a fan, I like that. I like seeing shows where it's different. It's, it's different you know, it's a it's a mix up of the same sort of music, but you know, seeing four bands that sound exactly the same is 
like that that's that'd true. be an awful you know that's it's true. it's nice to discover different bands that share the same thread of mm-hmm. you know whatever it is yeah. but i think if anything you know, you know the downfall of of the whole genre thing and like labeling bands is that then you do end up with a lot of homogenous sounding bands yeah. they end up playing together all the time and so you end up with this like really watered down genre that where things kind of just sound the same and feel the same and you go to the show and it's basically the same bands playing one after the other um so i think so, i think trying to do trying to not do that is is important so i take it that you are basically open to playing with bands from every genre but i'm also pretty sure that you take a very good look at which band you are going on tour with right because i mean like there are bands that from let's say the black metal genre that might work perfectly for you and with you like death haven or stuff like that but then there are also black metal bands which are so classical black metal bands to put it like that that you know, you've been speaking about the fans that met, met, might not work. You know, I can, I can hardly see you playing with, for example, Emperor or Mayhem. <laughs> but honestly, if they asked for us, me, we would I, do it. I would love it though because live we come across a lot heavier, even more yeah. so than the record. Yeah. Um, and I think even playing with like a classic black metal band, you know, we're gonna start invoking those feelings and that excitement, you know, um, for, you know, if they are there for them specifically to be like, wow, this band blew me away and I never would have listened to them or even yeah. checked them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to actually do that. Yeah. I think for us, the, the thing that really would keep us from touring with the band is personal, you know, like if, yeah. if it's, yeah. if the people just seem like they're not, it's you know like assholes or whatever like if we just don't feel like we'll get along with them or they don't seem like good people then we wouldn't do it you know that's that's really where we draw the line yeah (laughs) so i just read today online that kid rock is going on tour on his no snowflakes tour (laughs) oh man that's probably probably where you draw the line right yeah yeah Something that always interests me is like if bands could compile or curate their own festival. So let's imagine Spotlights hits the big show and the big stages and you are able to curate a one-day five bands festival. And Spotlights is taking one of those five slots. So first of all, which slot would you like to play in and which other four bands would you like to see perform? Probably play third. The middle is always nice. I'd like to play first. <laughs> Get it over and done with. Um, and then be able to watch the bands that we that you want to see. So, yeah, which which bands would it be? A real tough one. Oh, well, my mine definitely would be Faith No More because I never got to see them, and That's we were supposed one. to actually tour with them. Um, and I've seen pretty much all of Mike Patton's projects except for Faith No More and they're like my favorite so mm. uh, definitely Faith No More um, and Beastie Boys would be my second That'll pick be good. Um, so I happy to have to... seen both of them 
Yeah, I have. I had tickets to a Beastie Boys show in the nineties. You never saw Beastie Boys. Never saw them. Um, but I lived in the suburbs of Chicago, and I couldn't. I didn't have a ride, so those would be my two. So I'll leave. You could pick the next two. Um, man, it's tough. I would uh. I would probably get Fugazi if 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 it's like you don't it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, doesn't matter if Fugazi. people are alive or not, or a I'd band. Get Fugazi or not. To, and then not to like drone on on it, but yeah, I'd probably have the Cure play. So then the question <laughs> is: out of those four bands that you have now chosen, which one should be the headliner of a Cure? Probably. Yeah, that would make sense. Because yeah. then they can play like they they usually do like three hour set. So yeah, yeah, which is interesting, you know. That's a band which really get, gives you value for your money, right? When you buy a ticket. Um, yeah. So. so we are already through with nearly through with uh, the regular questions that I have before we come to the infamous quickfire round. But um, if you could choose. Any song ever written to cover for, let's say, Blues Funeral does another series and you have to pay it, play it cover track. Which one would it be? And you're not allowed to choose the Melvins or the Cure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's tough. Well, there's, there's, uh, these would be totally like way far removed from like, the world we're in but there's a peaches song i'd like to cover mm -hmm. um and a santi gold song that i'd like to cover okay yeah. mario um yeah we actually were almost doing that santi mm -hmm. gold uh, song yeah, um we might still still do it i would probably want to cover i have to i have to actually pick the song yeah yeah or can I just? Oh, I mean, I, I don't I'll know pick the name a band, of the songs, but but I would probably do like a, a Jane's Addiction song off of. Uh, Nothing shocking. Okay. Interesting. So we come to our infamous quickfire round, and you always get two alternatives. And both of you have to choose one of those two and maybe give a short, short explanation why. It's always like okay. roses versus tulips. Which one do you like more? AC versus DC, black or white? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, let's start off with something... Um, Easy, I would hope. Uh, My Bloody Valentine versus Slow Dive. You go first. Um, <laughs> I'm not really familiar with either band, um, but I think I'd probably pick My Bloody Valentine. I'm kind of in the same boat, but and it's okay. probably not fair to because I really don't know too much Slow yeah, Dive. Okay. So, but yeah. I do know a couple of my my bloody Valentine songs, and I would probably choose them. Places to play: C CBGBs versus Saint Vitus. <laughs> the same thing, isn't it? Mm. I mean, CBGBs in the eighties and the seventies. CBGBs. CBGBs in the nineties versus Saint Vitus now. Same Vitus. Same Vitus. <laughs> yeah. I played CBGBs in the nineties and it wasn't it wasn't anything special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Refused versus sick of it all. 
Oh, refused. Stuff. Um, uh, I would go refused as well. I love sick of it all, but I would go refused as well. Mm -hmm. Um, if you could choose a continent for touring next, Australia or Asia? Oh, that's God, killing us. Asia. I would do. Yeah, I mean, I really want to go to Australia, but I would say Asia just because there's more places to to play. Mm -hmm. What do you prefer, touring or writing and recording? <laughs> that's tough too. Yeah, I would and say... I also know that you can't have one without the other. But right, it's true. Uh, uh, touring, touring for me as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. <clears throat> um. Mr. Bungle versus Faith No More. I'm pretty sure I already know Sarah's answer. Oh, that's hard. That's... Oh. Faith No More for me. Faith No More. As I still have to see Mr. Bungle, I would always choose Bungle, but, but I can... Faith No More with Jim Martin. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I've seen Faith No More with Mark back in the nice. 90s. I'm it. Be being a lucky kid. Oh, yeah. the seventies. maybe something for for Mario being the guitar player. Stratocaster versus Les Paul. Uh, Stratocaster. Stratocaster. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Neurosis versus Isis. God damn it! Hard. Uh... I'll go Isis. That's a that's like a really like that's like this. That's so but... hard, yeah. Because also yeah, you can't have one with. <laughs> well, you um, can't have you can have neurosis without Isis, but Isis without neurosis? Yeah. Well, uh, well, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, Isis, Isis wouldn't exist without neurosis. Exactly. So therefore, yeah, yeah, I'll go Isis just because I stumbled upon them first, I guess. <laughs> mm -hmm. As you are now living in a city with um, a not so good baseball team, but coming from a city with. <laughs> At least one good baseball. The Pirates versus uh, the Yankees. I'll go Pirates just because I like the colors better. Okay. Yeah, I'll go Pirates. Yeah. So then, Mario, would you also have chosen the Steelers over, let's say, the Giants? Yeah, I mean, I just we're not. I'm not a huge not sports, sports fan, so I don't. Yeah. I don't teams, but. I like the, the the designs better of the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. I like their helmets better. And last one, as you both seem to like the 80s, and I know that you like this like post-punk new wave kind of stuff. Joy Division versus New Order. New Order for me. Probably New Order, yeah. Interesting. You're the first ones to choose New Order, and I'm very happy that finally somebody does it. Everybody else like, yeah, Joy Division. I, yeah, yeah. I never really i don't know i i mean I, again i came to new order first when i was a kid me too they were like one of my first favorite bands but then yeah. and then i heard joy division and it mm -hmm. made sense i'm like okay it seemed sounds similar but then i could never get into his vocals yeah. i don't know i've just never yeah. been too into the joy division yeah. vocal sound is joy division the shirt with the the mountains that everyone wears yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 that's that's <laughs> right yeah um by the way, if we're talking about 80s bands, can you listen to stuff like The Smiths? Because I, I'm pretty sure that everybody who grew up in the 90s either loved or hated them. And if you loved them, it's the question if you whether you can still enjoy them. 
Um, she's never, I never got she's never liked them. the Smiths. Yeah. I was a huge fan. I can still, I can still listen. I don't, I, I don't really tie the two together. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really like that big of a that big of a fan, like a massive, massive fan. Mm. Just, and I'm more of a John Guitar fan anyway. Like yeah. that is that's the Smiths to me is Give Johnny the, yeah, the guitar sound, of course. Yeah. Marcy yeah. was just kind of like whatever, doing his thing on top of cool music. So yeah. <laughs> well, I can understand that. So, uh, Sarah, Mario, thanks for all the very, very interesting answers. Uh, thanks for being on the show. And everybody, in a few days, we we will or the new record will see the light of day, and everybody should listen to it. Awesome! Yeah, it's okay. the end of a- April, right? Uh, when it's going to be released? Yeah. So, listen to it, love it, and uh, now is your chance for final last words. I'm glad I made it. Um, yeah, I was out at a doctor's appointment. Was hoping to make it back in time. So, thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you for joining. So, good listen- luck with the tour. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Have Take a great care. evening. Bye bye.